Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. this morning is the wonder of it all and that comes from a song in your hymn book and the chorus goes like this oh the wonder of it all the wonder of it all just to think that God loves me that's what Easter is all about Easter the cross all about God so loving the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life amen amen, amen. So in your notes, if you have a bulletin, they are on the back side there, and you can take some notes if you'd like. Just very uh, simply three points this morning. We're going to be taking a look at Mark chapter 16. We are together as a congregation going through the book of Mark, and we've jumped ahead for the last few weeks just so that we could get Easter in there. We're close to being done. We're on Mark chapter 13 as we begin next week, but we jumped into uh, Mark 15 and 16. Uh, the past few weeks, especially as it relates to Easter. Jesus, it says on the back of your bulletin, is the central figure in human history, and the resurrection is history's main event. And you could say after creation. The resurrection is history's main event. The four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four gospel writers, all record the resurrection from their own perspective, and you're going to be happy about this next statement, with Mark's gospel being the shortest, which means the message will be... Maybe, maybe, we'll see. The four gospel writers all record the resurrection from their own perspective with Mark's gospel being the shortest. All of them, however, report the same Events, basically the same events. We get everything God wants us to know about the resurrection from these four eyewitnesses. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 16, and we will read verses 1 through 8 together. And that is what we'll be looking at this morning as we look at our resurrection story. Mark chapter 16 and verse 1. When the Sabbath was over... The Sabbath started at sundown on Friday and went till sundown on Saturday. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. And they did this very early on the first day of the week. They did this very early on Sunday morning just after sunrise. They didn't go the night of the Sabbath ending because it was dark and they didn't know exactly where the tomb was at nighttime. So very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? A very valid question. These are women. They are going to the tomb. The uh, stone is big. Who is going to roll that stone away? But, verse 4, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man. Now, 
In all the other Gospels, it says an angel. I'm not sure why Mark here says a young man, but it's an angel. They saw a young man, an angel, dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. All right, that's, that's, a, that's a simple word to say that they were <laughs> pretty scared, terrified, in fact. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. They, there you will see him just as he told you. And then this is the way the book of Mark ends. And you're saying, wait a minute, there's more to the chapter there, 16. Well, we're going to talk about that in a few weeks as we get to the end of Mark. But this is actually the way the book of Mark ends. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Well, that is the reading of God's word. What I want you to see this morning are three things and the same three things that are in all the other Gospels. And the first one is this. The tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. Jesus predicted his death and resurrection a number of times before it happened. If you've been with us through the study of Mark, you will know that we've mentioned it a number of times. Jesus predicted, Jesus told his disciples that I must die and then on the third day be raised. And the disciples, it just didn't click. They just didn't understand. But Jesus nonetheless predicted and talked about his death and resurrection before it happened. The earliest in Mark is chapter 8, verse 31, where Jesus predicts, predicts his, de uh, his death. The earliest in John is chapter 2 in the book of John. Jesus predicts his death. So it's not surprising to find Jesus doing exactly what he said he would do, and that is to rise on the third day. And as I shared, we are told in our text, when the Sabbath was over. That's what it starts off with in chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, so Sabbath was Friday evening at 6 o'clock till Saturday evening at 6 o'clock. That was the Sabbath. And the Jews had certain requirements that they were not allowed to do certain things. And one of them was to go among dead bodies, dead people. So the ladies then waited until the Sabbath was over, but didn't want to go Sunday evening because it was already dark. And so the Bible says they get up early on Sunday morning at sunrise. How many of you went to a sunrise service this morning? I knew, a, I knew a couple of you did. We used to have sunrise service at one of the churches I worked at. And it is an interesting, uh, it is interesting to get up before the sun rises on Easter morning and drive, and then during the Easter service to see the sunrise. People have sunrise services, churches do, because they want to they get to the, to the good stuff right at the, at the good time, right when it happens. And so that's why they have sunrise services. You should try it sometime. Unless you have a whole bunch of kids, then it's almost impossible. It will almost be impossible for you folks to go to a sunrise service with seven kids. All right, it just, it just, it just, it just doesn't work. All right. So the ladies here saw what happened on Friday and they were expecting Sunday morning to put spices on Jesus' dead body 
as an act of love and reverence. Now remember Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they took Jesus off the cross, they wrapped him in a linen cloth. They didn't finish the burial process because Sabbath day was coming. So Joseph took the body, put it in his own tomb, and the ladies, as an act of love and an act of reverence, are coming Sunday morning to finish the burial process. And the spices basically had to do with smell. And that's what they were going to do. They were going to put the spices on Jesus, on His dead body. But when they get there, and actually on the way, they're a little nervous about the stone. When they get there, they find out that the stone was rolled away. And immediately, and the other Gospels tell us this, immediately they think, somebody stole His body. In that day, people were buried in regalia, a lot of jewelry and things, and grave diggers were something that was prevalent in that time, and so they immediately thought that somebody had stolen the body. Someone has said the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let the women in, to see the empty tomb. The ladies who stuck around to the end on Friday, and you remember, uh, we talked about this last week, the ladies were the ones that stuck around to the very end on Friday. Well, they are the ones to become the first eyewitnesses of an empty tomb on Sunday. So the first thing all the gospel stories tell us is the tomb was empty. The second thing that gospel stories tell us is the angels declare the fact. The thought of grave diggers was immediately dispelled when the ladies walked into the tomb and saw an angel. And in some of the other reports, it says that there were two angels. And to put it mildly, the Bible says they were alarmed. And the word alarm there in Greek means terrified, but not terrified for their lives, but for no rational comprehension of what's happening. They, they just cannot get their mind about it. Even though Jesus talked about a resurrection, they could not get their mind around it. And they were, they were alarmed. They were, they were terrified. They were confused. And the angel immediately says to them, don't be alarmed. And he uses the same word. Don't be terrified. I'm going to explain to you what needed to happen. And he explains this in verse six, uh, verse 6. He says, don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. You were there, ladies. You were there. Remember a couple of days ago. He was crucified. And it says, uh, he is not here. He is risen. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Just as he told you. Now when we started in the book of Mark, Mark was assisted in writing his book by Peter. Peter assisted Mark. Peter did not write one of the Gospels. The Gospels are written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Peter did not write a gospel, he wrote some other letters, but Peter helps Mark write the gospel. And I think it's interesting since Peter here is helping Mark, he says to Mark, hey, in this verse here, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, there you will see him just as he told you. 
Well, I think the reason Peter wants Peter's name in there is because the last time that Peter and Jesus saw each other, you remember it was at the denial. Jesus looks over at Peter and Peter looks at Jesus and the rooster crows and the Bible says Peter leaves weeping bitterly. And so I think at this point, Peter wants Mark to write down that Jesus needs to go see Peter as a way of providing what you might say a little TLC. Peter needs a little TLC at this time. And then we've talked about this a few Easter's ago. In the meantime, we are told in the book of John, Mary Magdalene is one of the ladies that first appear at the tomb. She immediately heads back to tell the disciples what happened. The other ladies are just kind of hanging out there for a bit, trying to figure it out. And so Mary Magdalene uh, runs back and tells the disciples, and John tells us, John, in his gospel, that when Mary made her way back to tell them, well, now John gives us information about a foot race. Remember that? We've talked about that before. John and Peter tear out to see the empty tomb. And I think it's again funny, Peter mentions himself as he's telling Mark to write these things down. John, who is writing down these events, tells us in his book that they have a race, him and Peter, and John says for all eternity, for all of us to know, I beat Peter to the tomb. All right? I ran faster. Yeah, I, when I get to heaven, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find Peter. I'm going to say... How'd you let John beat you to the tomb? You know, John is, he's kind, of, he's kind of the wimpy disciple in a way. Peter is the fisherman, the strong fisherman. And he let John beat him to the tomb. And uh, I think that's just kind of interesting. John records he won the race to the empty tomb. But in all of the letters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of the Gospels, after they see this empty tomb, all the disciples, all the ladies, all of Christ's followers, well, basically they are baffled. They are baffled by the event. And Mark ends his Gospel with these words, Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were terrified. Now, in Matthew chapter 28, if you want to peek back there real quick, this is what it says in verse 8. Kind of a similar thing, but you will notice a word that has been added in the book of Matthew that was not in the book of Mark. Matthew chapter 28, verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, but look at the next few words, yet filled with joy. They knew something had happened. They aren't sure what. They are afraid. They're terrified. They're bewildered. They're confused. But Matthew adds in there, and I'm glad he does, yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Now, why are they baffled? Well, they don't know what's going on. They're unsure, you know, maybe they kind of recollect, you know, Jesus might have mentioned something about this, but where's his body? Uh, ladies, are you sure? They run to the tomb, they look in. What's going on? 
Well, the next thing that happens is really, well, the, the, the best news of all, I guess. Jesus appears to eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses see him. Eyewitnesses see the risen Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel writers, are witnesses of the living Christ. In John chapter 20, verse 19, Jesus first appears to the disciples on that Sunday evening. So if this is early Sunday morning, the disciples and everybody, they're just, they're just kind of thinking, what in the world is going on here? What in the world is going on? Where's Jesus? Did somebody steal his body? What? <clears throat> I'm thinking about this resurrection. What's going on here? What's going on? And in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says that Jesus appears to some of the disciples <clears throat> on that Sunday evening. Then he appears to some the next day on the road to Emmaus. Remember? Some disciples are walking and Jesus kind of walks up right next to them and starts talking to them. And uh, they say to him, boy, don't you know all the bad stuff that's been happening? And Jesus said, no, tell me about it. And so they're telling him about Jesus and the crucifixion. And then all of a sudden their eyes are opened and they realize it's Jesus walking right along with them. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul goes into great detail about the eyewitnesses. And if you want to take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is what it says, starting with verse 1. The Apostle Paul now is writing to this church and he just confirms the resurrection and he confirms in the resurrection all of these eyewitnesses. And so he says this, verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. <coughs> Otherwise, you have believed in vain. And then he says this, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And now he's, what he's going to talk about is what we celebrate today, the death and the resurrection. He says, this is what's first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter. There you go. He appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 people at the same time, most of whom are still living. So the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, you, you want to you wanna see somebody, you want to talk to somebody, you want to interview somebody? You can, because they're still living. Of those 500 people, some have fallen asleep, but some are still living. And then, then it says, <coughs> he appeared to James. He appeared to James. you know who James is? It's his brother. Remember back in Mark when the family of Jesus are just kind of upset with him, like, Jesus, what are you doing? Come on, calm down. Who, who do you think you are? What's going on here? And Jesus says, you know, when they say your brothers and mom and family are here, and he says, hey, who are my brothers? My brothers are those that are following me. And so the family of Jesus is not quite on board. And so I think it's interesting that Paul here includes James, the brother of Jesus, as somebody in Jesus' family that Jesus appears to, and it's James. And maybe he was the one that was like, no way, and then all of a sudden, whoa, because he sees the resurrected brother. 
He sees his Savior, and he goes on and writes the book of James. And it says, Then to all the apostles, and then Paul says, And last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. Hey, I'm not even of the twelve. And yet he appeared to me on the road to Damascus. And then Paul goes on and establishes the utter significance of the resurrection. And we're going to conclude with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 12 through 20. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, what in the world are you doing here on this Sunday morning? What in the world am I standing up here telling you about the resurrection if he has not ris risen from the dead? And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he has raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You ought to still be in bed. Those of you that got up for the sunrise service, sorry. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, <coughs> we are to be pitied more than all men. Wow. But verse 20, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Christ has been raised from the dead. Indeed, Christ has been raised from the dead. <clears throat> the resurrection is established as a fact in history. The tomb is empty. It's been established by angelic testimony. And maybe the most important, it has been established by many eyewitnesses. The question is, and it's at the bottom of your bulletin, do you know, do you love, and do you serve the risen Savior? We talked about this last week briefly. Do you know about Jesus? Yeah, I, I know about Him. I, I, I know that He lived. I, I know about Him. I, I have intellectual understanding about Jesus. But do you have heart understanding about Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you love Him? And do you serve Him? Do you know, do you love, and do you serve the risen Savior? I read in yesterday's paper <clears throat> that somebody, young person, killed themselves because their girlfriend broke up with them. <clears throat> and I thought, how sad to think that your life revolves around your love interests or anything other than, for me, Jesus Christ. I mean, my life revolves around Jesus Christ. My relationship with Jesus Christ makes life worth living. 
And I hope that's true of you. I hope that you know, I hope that you love, and I hope that you serve the risen Savior. Because that's what life is all about. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living no matter what men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and He talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. The reason that I know He lives is because He lives in my heart. And I hope and pray He lives in your heart as well. If He doesn't, the Bible says today is the day to invite Him in. Inside your bulletin there's opportunity for you to do that tells you, explains to you how you become a Christian. And if the Lord is tugging on your heart, He's knocking on the door of your heart, maybe today is the day you want to let Him in. And then you can understand the significance of the death and resurrection of Jesus our Savior. And your life then will be worth living. Lord, thank You for this Easter. Christ is risen. Christ has risen indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.